Welcome to the In Doubt Podcast, where we explore the challenging topics that young adults often face. Each week, we talk with guests who help answer questions of faith, life, and culture, connecting them to our daily experiences and God's Word. For more info on In Doubt, visit indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. Hey everyone, it's Courtney. I'm so happy that you're joining us for another episode of In Doubt. This week, we're joined by best-selling author and speaker Rebecca Lyons, and it's so good to have her with us. She shares about her personal journey with anxiety and panic attacks and her renewal with God throughout that time. Joshua and Rebecca discuss the rhythms and routines that Rebecca suggests to ultimately lead to a life filled with peace, passion, and purpose. So I hope that you enjoy this episode with Joshua and Rebecca Lyons. Hey, welcome to In Doubt. My name's Joshua and I'm your host today. And today we're going to tackle what's becoming an increasingly prevalent and oftentimes paralyzing reality in our world today. And that's the reality of stress and anxiety. More and more, I have conversations with people who are saying they wrestle with this, that they're struggling with this, that they, they long for peace. And so we know in the end that biblically, the reality is the satisfying peace that we long for will only ever come from God, right? We have John 14, Jesus speaking to his disciples, he says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. So let not your hearts be troubled. And we, and we have the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, right? Love, joy, peace. And, and the, the favorite memory scripture, Philippians 4, right? Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understandings, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. In the end, peace, lasting peace, comes from God. Today, I'm joined by Rebecca Lyons, who is a national speaker, a best-selling author, and she's the brave mother of four children, two of whom have Down syndrome. And so God has blessed her with this unique adventure. But she's also recently written a book called Rhythms of Renewal, Trading Stress and Anxiety for a Life of Peace and Purpose. And in her book, she gives some real practical ways for us to develop these rhythms into our lives that will enable us to step away from the anxiety and the stress and step into the peace that God intends for us to enjoy. So, Rebecca, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me. So I wonder if you could just start by, by telling us a little bit about yourself and how you came to know the Lord. Oh, goodness. Uh, well, I was raised in a Christian home, uh, meaning my parents were believers when I was born, and so I accepted Christ at a young age. And of course, like a lot of five-year-olds, we're not really sure what we're being saved from beyond the fact that we believe sin is real and we know <laughs> that Jesus is real. And so I think in that, in that youthful place, I, I knew that the message was true. I believed that it was true, even from a young age, that, that he loved me and came to buy my freedom and that I could follow him. But, um, I, it wouldn't, it would take 30 years, you know, um, after that, or, you know, 30 years later, I would actually come to know the rescue of God, the deliverance of God, the power of his nearness and presence. And that was really after we had moved to New York City in 2010. And I started to spiral with panic disorder about four months in panic attacks on planes, trains, elevators, subways, and crowds. And we had just moved there from the suburbs of the South. Um, and we lost, or we had sold most of what we had and, you know, just were um, kind of just thrust into <laughs> the great unknown. And I guess New York was a pressure cooker that pushed that to the surface. And um, 
that lasted for about over a year and then um, slowly walked out a healing journey when I cried out to God for rescue. And as a result, um, uh, the first um, we're at the turn of a decade right now, as we all know. So I've been reflecting on this lately and and realized that the year 2000 to 2010 was all about motherhood for me. You know, I had my first born at 26, found out six hours later he had signs of Down syndrome. And that was confirmed genetic testing um, a week later. And so that at 26 changed the trajectory of my life. But then moving to New York nine years later did the same. And this last decade has been all about vocation. And it will have been, you know, year 2010 we moved to New York. But also um, just really understanding in this, this decade how pain can become purpose if you let it and sur- surrender to it, submit to it knowing that when God says, you know, walk through the valley of shadow of death, you don't need to fear evil because he's with us and he comforts us. And I think that's been the biggest lesson for me is that um, even this book begins with the uh, the first panic attack in seven years that I had just had when I wrote this book. And it was kind of a whisper relapse, quite frankly. And it was the, even the lesson in that was a grace that God just, you know, promised. I don't promise that fear won't come knocking this side of eternity, but I always make a way of escape uh, that you may be able to bear it. And the, for me, my kind of the rooting of my anxiety, anxiety became my fancy word for fear, but the rooting of that for me was feeling trapped or claustrophobic. So it could have, it was a metaphorical thing probably um, that became literal <laughs> uh, when I was find myself really confined in small spaces. So it's different for everybody. The, the triggers that stress them, that, you know, get them to this place of a heightened fight or flight response of anxiousness, of fear, um, physical symptoms of stress. Right now we've got 77%, almost four out of five of us in society facing that. So it is now a, a national conversation. It's, it's an epidemic of some sort of us feeling strung out. And I really do believe it's an invitation to come into his rest. It, rest requires pursuit. It's not, it's not escape, not numbing out. It's ap- not apathy. It's actually restorative. And so it requires intention, which means you have to stop the frantic running hamster wheel and just decide to be still and know that he is God and that he is God. You are not. <laughs> and, you can tr- and you can trust him. So it's been a decade of learning that in a slow and steady way. So you just noted there this this rise of anxiety and stress that's going on in our society. Why do you think that is? Why is this becoming such a an epidemic, you said? Well, we were always a people of rhythm before the industrial and technological revolution. So we had to operate with a circadian rhythm until we created machines and electricity that told us we can actually operate in hours beyond what what humanity was designed you know, God gave us a sunrise that emits blue light that tells us to wake up and a sunset that emits red light that tells us to go to sleep. It's actual natural melatonin for our bodies. But instead of adhering to those boundaries, we have a phone in our hands emitting blue light until midnight telling us to wake up, wake up, wake up. And we wonder why we don't sleep anymore. (laughs) So there is this, um, there's so many factors, but I would say that's probably the biggest one is that all of a sudden the the lines between boundaries and rhythm and day and night were blurred. And when you've got factories with machines that are always on out of efficiency and production, it actually costs more to turn them off overnight. So they just would stay running nonstop 
it creates this culture in humanity where it is affirmed to be always on as if we're machines. And the truth is, you know, you get raises and you get, you get positions and promotions and celebrations when you're working harder. And there's a lot of culture where that's really revered. And, um, and quite frankly, we're just buckling under that physically because our bodies are keeping the score and are telling us that that's actually not human. That's a machine. That's a machine. That's not a human. And so I think right now we're just all burned out. Mm. And then you add to that, you compound that with a smartphone and then that we're relationally poor, right? That so many of our relationships are transactional because we only have time for work and, you know, maybe some family friendships are usually sidelined a little bit when, cause we just don't have, margin or capacity so i just i hate even talking this way because it feels like debbie downer (laughs) but i guess you can't heal what is hidden so it's best to kind of not only talk about the fact that we're able to talk about mental health now finally um but we also need to talk about the reasons why and the implications of those reasons and how important it is for us to like take a reset and we can't if we're not informed right hmm so, so in your book, you're talking about how we've moved away from the rhythm that, that we ought to, that we were intended for. So in your book, you outline four rhythms. Uh, and, and you talk about how they actually, there's this progression. We move from one into the next and into the next and into the next. So could you outline these rhythms for us and, and just how that movement happens? How do we move from one into the next? Yes, they build on each other. So there's the input rhythms are the first two and the output rhythms are the last two because you can't, you can't give what you haven't received. So, but that's what everyone's trying to do. Everyone wants to hang, hang in the create rhythm, which is the last one, which is the culmination. If it's done well, it's actually the culmination of all three rhythms strengthening so that create can actually be the flourishing that it promises. It's measurable. It's the outcome. It's the active ingredient that people observe and go, wow, you're doing so much. It's like, no, that's actually just the cherry on top because I've been really intentional about resting. Um, my inner life being healthy and restoring my physical life being healthy for energy and connecting my my relational life being healthy so that I can actually work with the people I love and it's not just transaction so that create can then become the fruitful abundance or gift of vocation that that we were actually made to offer the world I think what happens is we just jump to create and we're burned out and we don't talk to our people and our bodies are just like we're just filling our bodies with crap (laughs) diets and we're not paying attention to actually these signals so we're sick and then sometimes as a result of being sick we're just kind of doubling down on all the quick fixes we can find to help us in our sicknesses versus getting to the roots of going what is triggering all this like why am I running so hard what am I running from and what am I looking for like I even think of the chronic scrolling on a phone the question I would ask is like what are you looking for Because it's just a scroll. It's like this mindless scroll that is never satisfied. And then on the other end, it's like also a way to run from problems, confusion, pain, ambiguity. It's like I'd rather just be busy than have to actually face why I feel lost when I'm still. So that's why counseling is flourishing right now, because at least people are willing to invest here. And when they're willing to invest, that means they're serious. And I, I, I feel optimistic. I really do. I think sometimes things have to get dark before they resurrect. And um, 
I, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. I, I feel like if, if one by one by one, we could actually make changes in our lives, then we become these living, you know, testimonies as this public witness of going, Hey, I, I took three months off social media and I started sleeping again, dreaming again and learning again. So there's something, you know, offer it out there. Um, I started having original ideas that weren't comparing, you know, trying to copy what somebody else was doing. Or I found that when I got still before God, you know, and stopped seeing my worth by my latest accomplishment, I felt beloved. I felt, I felt like seen and known as a daughter or a son of God. We just the paradigm has to shift a little bit from all the big things we can do for God to all the small and simple ways we can receive from God. Mm, that's good. And when we do that, we all we start to delight in just His nature and His character, and He delights in our childlike faith. Mm, that's really good. So the the first of all these rhythms, where you say it all starts, is it the input rhythm you, you call it of rest. So how do we rest? Like, what are some really practical ways? Because when I think rest, and I think maybe this is most of us, I th- I'll go through a, a strong day, a busy day, and then I'll think, okay, I just need a power nap. I need a quick mm-hmm. 15 minutes, get down, wake up, go back to work. Um, is it more than that? Yeah, I mean, physical rest is great, trust me. I think napping 101 should be back in our culture, <laughs> ASAP. <Yeah. laughs> like, because people did that in centuries before us. You know, politicians, presidents, theologians. I mean, if you read some of these works of people a couple hundred years ago, napping was very regular. Um, so yeah, I think a power nap is great. The problem is, is like, are you mentally resting? I think that's actually is the heart resting. So to me, rest represents so much more than the physical symptom of rest. It's, it's the inner life. Am I okay? Is my soul at rest? Do I have soul rest that I'm okay with who I am? And God and I are good. Like we're not hiding or running or, you know, like there's an intimacy and communion that is forged when we come into his rest. So rest requires pursuit. It's not, you know, optional or apathetic, but it is intended for intimacy. It's intended for communal relationship. So when that, when I get, so I can have, I can take up Tylenol PM and have a good night's sleep. But that's not affecting my inner life. Like, am I actually being still before the Lord? Am I enjoying Him, like His presence and His nearness? Is the Holy Spirit have time to convict? You know, there's a chapter, examine and confess. You know, there's a real regular rhythm of just going, God, search me and know my heart. Test me, know my anxious thoughts. See if there's anything wicked and lead me in the way everlasting. That Psalm of David is a reminder to all of us that we are supposed to ask the Holy Spirit to search us and test our anxious thoughts because anxious thoughts again even back then is just a withholding of trust so what would be some practical ways then to not just rest physically but but to get that soul rest um, that you're talking about yes. the actual enjoyment so i have a chapter called morning routine so i have a, in the rest rhythm i write seven chapters and they're very pragmatic practical because i am all about like what are the small intentional things we can do so the first chapter is to take inventory of your life, you know, was right and answer four questions was right, wrong, confused, and missing. And do that maybe quarterly and then do a bigger version annually. The second one is tech detox. Literally just get away from it. Like put yourself on restriction for a realistic amount of time and stick with it. It will open up a lot of time for you to be still with God. Um, and then, and I talk about what I learned in those seasons. Third one is the routines for deep sleep getting quiet, 
silencing the noise. And then like, so routines for deep sleep is just how to prepare yourself before bedtime, how to prepare your room, prepare your mind, um, just very tangible things. And then morning routine is the next one because it's like, if you slept well, which we're trusting you will, when you put these things in place, you actually have energy to wake early. And then how do you order that morning? Because the first hour sets the framework for the rest of your day. The next 15 hours will follow suit depending on how it's intentional. So I walk the reader through like, this is what my morning routine looks like, whether it's, you know, posture of release and receiving and prayer, um, gratitude, journaling, giving thanks, um, scripture, liturgy, whatever those are. I kind of outline those in that chapter. And then um, Sabbath, just talk pragmatically on how to Sabbath, you know, what it looked like in the Hebrew culture, what it can look like less now. And I have a Rhythms for Life podcast with my husband where we literally spend each week talking through very practical tips on how to do these things in your everyday life with teenagers, with your family, with your spouse, with your work, whatever. Very cool. So after we rest, then we move into what, what you call the second rhythm of, of restoring. So how would you describe the difference between those two and why is restoring so important? So restore is physical. Um, so rest is heart and inner life. Restore, I mean, they could cross over, but to me, I separate them because restore is like once you and God are in communion and you could still be in communion and doing well, but you're just still eating horribly and you have no energy. Um, and eventually the Holy Spirit's going to kind of get in the middle of that and be like, hey, this, this is a temple steward at well. Like, what are you using food for fuel? Or is it kind of a crutch? Is it a numbing out mechanism or are you active? Do you raise your heart rate? Because when we're active or raise the heart rate for 10 to 15 minutes or more a day, it releases serotonin in our bodies, which is the happy hormone that gives you a sense of well-being, of confidence, of momentum in the work you're doing. So again, a lot of times in mental health fields, everyone talks about the chemical imbalances in the brain. But serotonin is elevated when you move, get fit, like you have fitness in your life just like oxytocin is released when you hold and embrace. So those are two chemicals that affect your brain. So yes, there are medications for helping in some of these ways um, in seasons, but in general, God actually created rhythms that, that help these things that are natural. And it's important that we're aware of those things. We need to learn like what releases oxytocin, what does serotonin, what, you know, if I need connection and belonging, I should probably make eye contact with someone. So all those things are really important. Every chapter has science and faith because I think they work together and they help us just understand that God made our bodies and he knows what we need physically and he uses all means necessary for our healing. I really appreciate it in that chapter. Uh, you had a section on identity and you made this statement. I thought this was really good. You said, when I faced panic attacks eight years ago, I didn't have a diagnosis for what was happening. And looking back, it was a grace because this kept me from giving myself a label that I could make a part of my identity. And I thought, I thought that's, I think that's right on. So many people I talk to define themselves by what they're struggling with. And so I think you go into it, do a wonderful job of saying, well, well, you as a human being in the, in the image of God, you, and if, as, as a Christian redeemed by Christ, where do you have to start? And that's at Christ. And then you see your, your struggles in a whole different light. I thought that was really good. Yeah, your struggles aren't who you are. They're, your struggles are the things that have come against you, that you face, that, you, that you've had adversity. I mean, 
Ephesians 6 is so clear, like, put on the whole armor so when the day of evil comes, you can withstand the adversity or the, or the strategy or the evil schemes. Uh, like, there is, trust me, there is an attack for each of us to have to undergo um, to slowly diminish us and take us out. So that's not, that's not a mystery if you are a believer. It's more to go, oh, that's actually something that's coming against me. That isn't God. God didn't make me as someone who would always live crippled in fear. Scripture is very clear about the opposite of that. Because I don't give you a spirit of fear, Rebecca. I give you power, love, and a sound mind. So whatever fear you're facing isn't from me. What I give you to combat that fear is power, love, and a sound mind. And so that has helped me go, yes, there are labels sometimes given to help the world understand how to navigate things. But I think over time they're overused and they're misused in ways that cripple us further because we now accept that as if we can never change. And it, it gives a predetermined outcome is what the way I write it in the book. It's like, well, if this must be true, then this is as far as I can imagine the bar will ever reach for me. And I don't think that's what the gospel is about. God is a regenerative God. He's the author of life, and he's always doing a new thing. That's what renewal means, is to make new again and again and again in rhythm. So the point of this book is to go, hey, you might have really struggled with something a year ago, but that's not the end of your story, and you're not alone. And so um, since it's not the end of your story, he's giving you a new, doing a new thing in a way that gives life. And, and so you can trust that just because you faced it then doesn't mean you're going to be facing it your entire life. That's what healing's about. So we begin by resting, right? This, this reconnecting with the Lord and the spiritual renewal and then, and then restoring uh, is more of the physical, what you were talking about, of, of actually being prepared to then go out. And then you move to what you call the output rhythms, connecting and creating. So what does it look like to connect and what does it look like to create? Yes, so connect is relational health. It's out of the overflow because you are rested and you now have energy <laughs> and you're you know, revived. You then go out and have something to offer other people. So that rhythm really outlines relational health, whether it's leading with vulnerability, transparency, authenticity, or hospitality, and welcoming in people into your home. Just this idea of friendship. You know, we've got a loneliness epidemic in our society right now, which again leads to depression, which leads to suicide, because there is a belief that, you know, if I'm not here, no, it wouldn't even matter. But when we have people who actually are showing us how much they care, that depression lifts. Like there is a sense of going, I'm, I'm known and I'm loved. And that communal need is in us. We're communal people made by a communal God. And so the lie is that you're always better off alone because nobody gets you or understands you or you're too much or too little. But the truth is you actually absolutely, um, your healing is essential in community. You can go through all the counseling you want, but at some point you're going to stop paying that person. You're going to go out and make real friendships that are not going to be transactional, that are going to be just intimate and true. And there's nothing like it. So all that stuff's relational health. And then the last one is create. And that's vocation. And that's basically just the, the idea of Psalm 139, that all our days were written and planned in his book before one of them began. And that he knit us in a secret place and that his works were wonderful. And so it's really just taken us back to the origin of the womb. And did God have plans and purposes for every single one of us? And did he even, as he knit us, establish and determine like what he would envision our lives to look and become? Did he equip us for those things, even in the room, and then invite us to join him? 
I believe that's true. And so I think part of it is just peeling back the layers of who we were as kids when we hadn't learned to be afraid yet. And what are those callings that are made up of talents and burdens colliding? Like what are the birthright gifts that we love that, you know, when we're eight, nine and 10 and what are the burdens though, the things that broke our heart just through pain or just loss or life. Right. And how do we redeem? How do we use the gifts we've been given to redeem the things that break our heart? Um, I think they're in light's calling. So I'm curious uh, of all these four rhythms, as you were pulling this book together, have you found any particular one uh, to be the most difficult for you to engage with yourself? You know, I think for me, it just depends on the season. Um, when I'm in a push season, like I was this fall, rest was harder because there's just stress attached to launching a book or just the demand of the schedule or whatever. I think when I'm in a real like restful place, um, I'm enjoying it so much that I kind of don't really feel like I don't feel a pressure to produce or create. Um, eventually, I do want to create, but it might not be in a way that actually makes any money, <laughs> which which is fine, too, because I think um, I talk about that in the create rhythm of like working with your hands, learning something new, take a class, um, be responsible, say yes to risk. Like there's so many pragmatic ways that we can like just get out and garden. We have chickens, whatever. Like that still brings delight and joy and a fullness that's not just within the boundaries of like, oh, you write and you teach. We're whole beings that are complex and wired with a lot of interests. And I think God actually wants us to engage him in ways that are tactile, that ways that just awaken our senses to new things that he's created. I tend to live in the extremes and what these rhythms always require of me is to do this not abandon one for another, like just kind of stay in this cadence of all four rhythms daily, weekly, monthly, annually, but knowing that even in an annual season of rhythms, winter is winter. Winter's for hibernation. Our bodies need more sleep in winter. There's a lot of roots growing deep underground in winter in our hearts as well. Winter is a good time for me to write, but I might not want to go as much or be as social. Whereas in spring, I'm like, bring on all the parties. I just miss, you know, everyone's coming out of their homes. And like that, that connect rhythm is starved, right? We're just like, and, um, and I think it's okay to have an ebb and flow because that's what rhythm is. Because you know it's going to keep coming back around as long as you're doing just a small and subtle output of each every day. So what that means is you're going to sleep every day, hopefully, if you're on some, some, <laughs> on some level. You sh So be mindful of how you do that. Be intentional of how you get physical rest and, and the food you eat. You should be eating every day. So let's just steward that well. You do talk to someone every day at some point, hopefully. So like be intentional about that. It's about taking what's already in your life and being more mindful of how you treat those times and if you're finding that you're so stressed or strung out, it's probably because you need to stop doing something that's really no longer enjoyable, that you've almost become a slave to, which for so many people I talk to, the big two things they do after reading the book is they usually take some version of a tech detox, and they usually take some version of a food detox, um, partly because they have no energy, and they're also discouraged because like life feels like it's passing them by while everyone else's lives look perfect online. And when you take, you know, a change in, in like the input of media and just consumption of things that aren't actually helping your body be invigorated, then you're like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm excited and I'm kind of passionate about some new things that I forgot were there. 
because you've made room, you've made room and you have energy to even approach those things that you would have been overwhelmed by possibly months prior. Mm, Very cool. So for those of our listeners who today might be struggling with their anxiety, their stress or, or depression, what word of encouragement would you have for them? Yes, I would just say you're not alone and this is not the end of your story. And that every day you wake with breath means like you've got the rest of your life to reestablish what you want it to be about. And so I would imagine for a lot of people who are depressed, like the idea of trying to rediscover or reawaken feels daunting. But I would just say, take a walk outside, go get in nature. I don't care if it's cold, bundle up, raise some serotonin in your body as regular as you can. Like I do it every day. Um, I'm a Florida girl who lives in Tennessee and I miss the water and I miss the sunshine and the warmth. And so for those reasons, I'm all the more proactive to get outside and get moving because I have a hard time if I don't. So start your day with just the right kind of like a juice or just lukewarm water, like room temperature, because your body doesn't have to work as hard to warm the water if it's cold. So it actually hydrates you faster and just little simple things like squeeze fresh lemon in it. It actually detoxifies you first thing in the morning before you start dumping caffeine in your body. And just like make sure that you get a little bit of time, you know, just to receive in his word. I know this is like so basic, but um, sometimes we are more about read the Bible in a year than we are to actually just be nourished by just a psalm that comforts our heart. It's not that it's bad to read the Bible. Please read the whole Bible. And it's good to have goals if you have energy to do that. But to me, God's saying, is your faith growing? Are you depending on me more? That's what I care about. That's what I want you to know me. And if you need to take longer and just read one chapter and meditate on it so that you can really receive the feast that it is, then do it. There's no race. There's no script. It's a relationship. So I just encourage maybe those three areas. What you put in your mouth, time with God, and then how long you look at your phone. <laughs> mm, that's really those good. The top, those are the top three. Mm, very cool. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much for taking the time to share with us what you've learned just from your experience and, and what you learned through writing this book. We really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. No, it's my joy. It was such a great opportunity to have Rebecca as our guest. And I think it's such a good reminder to take time to look at how we're defining ourselves and how we can improve our daily rhythms to help us not just in our daily lives, but life in the long run with ourselves and the relationships that we build with others and with God. If you'd like more information on Rebecca or any of her books, you can go to her website at RebeccaLyons.com and we'll also have all the links up on this episode's page online. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope that you join us next week where pastor and best-selling author David Platt will be talking with Isaac about his new book, Something Needs to Change. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to hear more, subscribe on iTunes and Spotify or visit us online at indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. We're also on social media, so make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. 